If you haven't got a Bible, then the words should appear on the screen behind me in a moment. If you've been with us uh, for a while, you'll know we've been, uh, certainly when I've been preaching, we've been going through the letter to the Hebrews. We arrived in chapter 11 a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, probably months ago, actually. But a few times ago. Um, We've been building up through Hebrews. The writer has a big point. He sets it out right from the beginning. From Hebrews 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. He goes on talking about the wonder of who Jesus is, of how wonderful he is. He's been making this point to his readers his Hebrew listeners who would have, would have known the Old Testament so well. They'd known the, the history of yeah, God spoken to our forefathers. God spoken by the prophets in different ways, different times. He gave us the law. He brought us to, to the promised land, to Jerusalem, to the temple that was built, all these different things. He said, you know all that. You're well aware, but remember, now Jesus has come. Jesus has come. Jesus is Far better. You see, God's big plan that's been spelt out all the way through. Spoken through the ages, through the prophets, and many times in various ways. Now through his son, the law he gave has been fulfilled. Something far better has come in Jesus. So therefore, this is what you've received. Keep going. Press on. Believe. And so it's... He gets to the end of chapter 10, verse 39. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And as he embarks into chapter 11, he's just illustrating the point. Look, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then, as if to just ram the point home, Ancient after ancient after ancient, if you like. Old Testament character after Old Testament character after Old Testament character. Look, by faith, by faith, by faith, they lift it out. And so today we come to Abraham, to verse 8. And in contrast to our progress so far, we're going to read a massive chunk Verse 8 to 16. If you've been here, you've known we've looked at very few verses at a time so far through chapter 11. We're going to look at uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8 through to verse 16. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, He made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. 
And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We see in these verses Abraham, who has to make a big step of faith. We see, as we go through the verse, we see his family caught up in the same promise, caught up in, in faith together they're going. We see Sarah mentioned in, in verse 11. It's a verse that's slightly tricky to translate, and people come with different different opinions on whether he's talking still about Abraham with kind of Sarah joined in, or is this focused on Sarah? Well, I would just put it to you either way. Sarah's pulled in. Sarah's pulled in. Abraham's there. Sarah's with him. They believed, and they had a child. We see Isaac and Jacob drawn into the story as well. They lived in tents like their, like their father Abraham, heirs of the same promise, father and grandfather. Isaac, Jacob, anyway. Uh, But we see in Abraham a man who has to make a big step of faith. Go. Go to the land that I will show you. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. We see Abraham has to make a big step of faith. We see Abraham's a man who was given big promises. If we look through various chapters of the book of Genesis, we can see Abraham is given massive promises. This initial call we see in Genesis 12, verse 1. We see that the Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And God promises him this, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. But as we go through Genesis, later on in Genesis 12, we see he looks down on the promised land and God says, I'll give this to your descendants. On into chapter 15, God calls Abraham out and says, look up at the sky, Abraham. Look at the stars. Count them, if indeed you can count them. Your descendants will be like this. So he goes on. In chapter 17, Abraham, you will be a father of many nations. In fact, I am going to try and stick, I'm going to use Abraham all the way through, apart from here. At this point, you will note if you're reading Genesis 12, he's talking to Abraham. 
But it's at this point in Genesis 17 that God says, Abram, as he has been known, I'm giving you a new name. Abram, the exalted father, I'm giving you a new name. Abraham, you will be father of nations. It's another promise God gives to him. But I'm going to try and stick to just saying Abraham. I'll probably slip up. And then on into chapter 22. Through your offspring, through your seed, all the nations on earth will be blessed. God gives Abraham lots of big promises. One massive promise with all these different facets, different things. A nation, the nations will be blessed. A land, all these things. But we see first of all, and in and what the writer to the Hebrews initially draws our attention to, Abraham has a big step of faith to make. Go. Go, Abraham. And we're going to see through uh, looking at that today, we're going to see a faith that goes beyond. In four different ways. Firstly, it's a faith that goes beyond his homeland. This is it. Abraham goes to a new place. Abraham goes in obedience. This is what verse 8 is talking about. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Abraham hears God. Go to the land, I will show you. And he obeys. He goes. Stephen in Acts 7 confirms that initially Abraham's called right back in, in Ur of the Chaldeans, a city in the east and kind of uh, over in the, kind of the eastern part of the Middle East in kind of what comes to be kind of, uh, it's in Mesopotamia as it was known. And we see through Genesis 11 and then into 12 that initially they move. Terah, Abraham's father, comes with them. They go. Terah kind of leads the way to Haran. They go on this first stage of the journey. But there's a, there's a move. Abraham's been told, go to a land I will show you. And they go. And we see later in, in Genesis 12 that Abraham then sets out from Haran. There comes a time, this is what God said, I'm going. I'm going to the land he will show me. See, God tells him, I want to take you somewhere, Abraham. I want to take you somewhere. Go to the land I will show you. Now, in one sense, he's not even promising to give him a land at this point. He's just saying, go, go to this land I will show you. I'm going to make you a great nation, but go, go to this place I will show you. As we see, Abraham goes. It's only when he arrives in Genesis 12, verse 7. Let's look at Genesis 12, verse, verse 6. Abraham, sorry. Let's go from verse 5. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Abraham, God's called him, go, Abraham, go to this place. And then he gets there, and God says, look, Abraham, this land that I've shown you, I'm going to give it to your descendants. But Abraham's called to obey, called to believe God. Okay, God, you're calling me to go somewhere. I'm going to go with you. And we see it's a, it's a kind of two-stage journey. They go and they settle in, in Haran to start with. 
But Abraham's got hold of something. God's called me to go somewhere. That's what I'm going to do. That is what I'm going to do. Not necessarily a drop everything and get on the next plane. You understand, he couldn't have got on the next plane. But Abraham's got hold of it. I'm going, God. I'm going where you lead me. God hasn't set everything up front. We've seen the promises we've already mentioned above. This occurs all the way through the journey, through, through Abraham's kind of life in, in living in the land, in tents, as a foreigner, as a, as a stranger in the land. God, God reveals more and more of his plan. Initially, God gets hold of Abraham and says, go to a land I will show you. I'm going to do some great stuff. I'm going I'm to make you a nation. I'm going to bless people. But this is what he doesn't go. Go to the land I will show you. He can speak to us in the sense so often we want everything spelled out at, at once. We see in Abraham's story, God speaks again and again, gradually, down the line. See, Abraham, I've given you a promise. Here's some more about that promise. Look, here's some more about it. But we can, want the f- we can so desire to have the full picture spelled out before we even set out. But Hebrews tells us quite plainly, look, Abraham obeyed and went, though he didn't even know where he was going. Abraham believed God. As he sets out from Haran, clearly leaving a place where he'd accumulated wealth, where his, his father was, but God said, go, and he went. God calls Abraham to take a step of faith. So often with us, he calls us to take a step of faith. We haven't got all the information yet. Set out. Set out. Hear what I'm saying and do it. And for all of us, we're all called to go. We're living in the light of the Great Commission. Obviously, firstly given to those, in, in a particular way, to those first disciples. And yet, in Matthew 28, 18, go into all the world. Make disciples. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. There's a world still to reach, whether that's our colleague sitting next to us at work or our neighbor or someone on the other side of the world. Perhaps all we know is, at a time is the prompt of God, go and talk to them. Well, God, what will I say? What will I do? What, how are they going to respond? No, just go and talk to them. I'm going with you. Whether that is talking to our colleague or our neighbour, or whether there is a particular thing that God puts on our heart, go out, step out in this. Or whether that is, like Abraham, a place I'm going to show you. Further afield, perhaps. Closer to home or further afield, whether that's Mosborough or Melbourne. Barnsley or Beijing. Wonderful. You see, God could put places, things, people on our hearts. When he does, are we ready to follow his lead? I don't know everything yet. I haven't got it all spelled out. I don't know exactly why God's leading me to this place exactly. He's giving me this big vision of something about a nation and blessing. I'm going. I'm going where he leads me.
Abraham believes God and he obeys and goes beyond his homeland. But you see, the writer of the Hebrews kind of is continually upping the ante here. It goes beyond his homeland, but clearly we see it goes, Abraham gets hold of something bigger. Secondly, that it goes beyond the immediate. His faith goes beyond the immediate. What do I mean by that? Abraham has obedience to go. He, he sets off. He goes. At first, it's a journey with the family, with, with his father. With, Lot comes with him anyway, and Sarai and, and his wife, and, and the people they've got with them. But it's a faith that, that knows this might not come about immediately. This isn't going to be, oh, I'll see this land. Is, is, it, is it near God? Is it round the corner? Well, no, he sets off on a two-part journey that will cover kind of 1,100-ish miles. It takes in a settled stop in Haran for some period of time. He doesn't even see the land immediately. Abraham understands this might be a long-term thing. He's patient in his faith. God said to go somewhere he will show me. I'm going to follow. Genesis 12 tells us that Abraham leaves Haran when he's 75. And journeys this second part of the journey, another 500 miles to Canaan. At that point, God says, I'm going to give give your offspring this land. Even then, as we've already mentioned. Oh, you've shown me the land. Now, now, now I'm waiting for my offspring before you give us it. There's a, there's, there's a lot of time involved. Abraham's faith goes beyond the immediate. It's not, oh God, you've sold me to go somewhere. It's, can we get on with it? Can we do it now? And there's an understanding. God's got a bigger plan involved. A bigger picture. But obviously, there's another side to Abraham hearing that. God says, see this land, I'll give it to your offspring. What offspring? I haven't got any offspring. See, Abraham leaves Haran at 75. They wait another 25 years for Isaac to be born. And we see that story outworking. You can look at it in... uh, Genesis 12 to about 17, 18-ish. And then through uh, and beyond that as well. But what do we see? Abraham's faith is patient. Abraham's faith is patient. Now he keeps, he, he's, he's got questions with God. He's asking God and he's talking with him. But he understands. When God says, go to a land I will show you, it doesn't just mean that he's suddenly going to give him a land next month. He understands this is a big picture. This goes beyond the immediate. He's gradually given more of the picture. He's prepared to live as if a stranger in the land, in tents, understanding this is what God said. This is what God said. You see, Abraham and his family had faith that wasn't crushed by there not being an immediate fulfillment of everything that God had said. 
Yes, there were wobbles along the way. Ishmael was born. That whole event that led up to that. But they're continuing to believe. No, God said it. God has said it. He did. God's called us here. God's called us into something that he is going to bring about. Faith that believes the promise giver us, as we see either credited to Sarah or to Abraham in Hebrews 11. 11. I'll read the text as it says plainly here in, in the NIV. Hebrews 11, 11. It's Sarah who is who considered him faithful, who made the promise. This is the root of the faith. It's not just, well, there's a promise. No, no, the promise giver is faithful. Therefore, we can, we can hold on. We can hold on in faith. It hasn't come yet. We don't have the land yet. Uh, we don't have a son yet. Uh, what? No, God said, God's going to do this. God's going to give this land to our offspring. That's what's going to happen. There's a call to hold on and keep believing. Remember what he has said. To believe God, even when things don't immediately come about. So easy for us to slip into a way of thinking that says, something should have happened by now. If God really said that, then something should have happened by now. And that is, it's hard. It's tough. When it feels like, what's the delay for? What's the delay for? Yet the truth is, what God has said, he will do. What God has said, he will bring about. And Abraham gets hold of this. We can see examples for us, even in people who have gone to different countries from, from this church recently. You see Gemma Booz now in Fredericton in Canada. setting up a, and running a kids' club with the church there. You see, that started with a word long ago that Gemma was given. God saying, you're going to work with children in another country. Why well, only gradually did it become clear? What does that mean? Where, where's that going to be? Maybe we push a door here or we go in this way. And, well, what does it mean? Ah, ah it means this. It's, it's Canada. It's Fredericton. It's a kids' club there. It's, oh, look, Mark and Debbie have gone before me. This, this is what it's about. But then even there, we're going. She's going. And there's visa problems. And, it's, and how can it ever even come about? How is it going to come about? But with great credit to Gemma, she had to hold on in faith. God, I believe God said this. I believe God said this. I'm going to keep pressing on in this. And she's there. Praise God, she's there doing what God has called her to do. We see also um, Nathan and Joy are in another country on the other side of the world. But Nathan's had a heart for that nation for, for years. For years, going way back. God put that nation on his heart. It's like, well, is it time to go now? Is it, is it now? Is it this time? And, and at different times, just being told, I don't think it is now, Nathan. I don't think it's time yet. I don't, there's, there's different things that are going to happen. Okay, I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm going to keep praying about that. I'm going to keep pressing into it. I'm going to keep looking to see if that's right, but I'm going to get stuck in and I'm going to keep going. It would be so easy to go, well, maybe God just didn't say it. 
Maybe God just didn't say. But actually, when the time was right, God said, actually, now is the time. Off you go. Nathan and Joy together, off you go. And they've been there for, for nearly two years doing what God's got for them there. There's a call with Abraham to keep believing God's word. Keep believing what he has said. To understand that God said it, it's going to happen. It may not happen exactly when we think it might, should do. Exactly when we think our timing, but God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Abraham's faith went beyond the immediate. But we see the writer of the Hebrews kind of keeps lifting our eyes. It's faith that goes not only beyond the immediate, but beyond their lifespan. Beyond Abraham's lifespan, beyond Sarah's lifespan, beyond Isaac and Jacob's lifespan. Not just beyond the immediate. We see in the immediate they have to wait for Isaac, yes. But we see it goes beyond. We see God hints that to Abraham straight away in Genesis 12, verse 7, to your descendants I will give this land. He knows, okay, that means perhaps I'm not going to be the one to settle here. I'm not going to be the one who, who takes the land in its fullness. Others will be the ones who live and set up towns and, and take control of the, the land. As the writer of the Hebrews tells us in verse, in verse 9. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. They understood. God's promise goes beyond. God's promise is bigger. It's greater. It's, we may not see all of it, but God's going to do it. God's still going to do it. It's going to go beyond our lifetime. But God's at work. God's doing something here. And then, Remarkably, Abraham might have initially thought, okay, it's to my descendants. Maybe if I have a child, maybe they're going to take the land. Well, obviously, the writers of the Hebrews told us already, well, Isaac and Jacob, they lived in tents as well. But in Genesis 15, God speaks to Abraham. To Abraham. I, see, I'm doing it already. It's to Abraham. But Abraham. It's the same guy. Abraham in Genesis 15. He's come to speak to him again. Abraham's been talking about not having a child yet, and Eliezer of Damascus is going to be going to inherit his estate. And, and God's told him, No, no, I'm going to give you a son of your own. And I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And Abraham's kind of wrestling with that. And then as Abraham falls asleep, verse 12, a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then verse 13, then the Lord said to him. This, know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age, and in the fourth generation your descendants will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. You see, God suddenly is giving Abraham this sense of, look, Abraham, it goes even further beyond than that. It goes even further. It's not, it's not even that it's Isaac's thing. Look, look, Abraham, I've got a bigger plan. You can see I've got all this that's working out. Your descendants, yes, they're going to take the land. 
And you're going to think, oh, it's going to be 400 years. Four generations, all this, this long time. Whoa. But Abraham, keep believing. Your descendants are going to take the land. Understand. It's beyond Abraham. It's beyond even Isaac or Jacob. They live in tents like Abraham. And we know that the story goes on that Jacob has his 12 sons and Joseph is sold as a slave and Joseph goes to Egypt and then the whole family goes to Egypt. And it's all positive at first and they're saved from the famine and then Pharaoh over time, different Pharaohs. Pharaoh's not particularly happy with all these Israelites who are becoming this big nation in his, in his country and he makes them slaves. And they're slaves in Egypt. But what do we see? God does bring them out. God does bring them out and bring them to the land. Abraham, your descendants will take this land. But you see, Abraham could hear this and could think, okay, it's not for me then. Fine, well, I'll just buy time and sit, sit it out and wait, and then, well, maybe Isaac can take it up, and he can go forward in faith. All right, Abraham gets hold of it and says, I'm believing. I'm going forward in faith. Okay, I'm not going to take this land, but... We're on a mission together. God's got a part for me to play. God's using me here. You see, Abraham was promised a great nation, offspring like the stars in the sky. But he hadn't got all that when he died. He'd seen the land. He'd lived in it as a visitor. He had Isaac. He'd probably seen Esau and Jacob, if you look at the the length of Abraham's life. And when Esau and Jacob were born... But he hadn't seen the promise fulfilled. He hadn't seen the people in the land. He hadn't seen this multitude of descendants. But Abraham had got hold of something. This big picture, God's plan, it does go beyond me. It's not just about what's happening in my time, in my life, in this time, but I'm a part of it. God's brought me in. God said, Abraham, you're going to go, and I'm going to give you a son. You know what? One day your descendants are going to take the land. One day they're going to be a blessing to the whole earth. One day there's going to be, you're not going to be able to count them. But you know what? What you're going to see, you're going to see the land. You're going to live in it in tents. And you're going to have a child in your old age when you're beyond the age of, of giving birth. Sarah's beyond the age of giving birth. And you're, when you, Abraham, your body is as good as dead. That's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us. Abraham went, and Sarah, though she was past the age of giving birth, was able to conceive. That's a terrible paraphrase. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. But they understood it goes beyond us. We're a part of it, but it goes beyond us. But you see, the writer to the Hebrews then goes a step further. And said, it's not just faith that takes Abraham beyond his homeland, faith that enables Abraham to believe beyond the immediate, faith that enables him to believe for something beyond his lifetime. It's faith that goes beyond this world. Faith that goes beyond the earthly fulfillment of a promise of a land and a people and a nation. Ultimately, the writer to the Hebrews, in fact, his focus in this whole passage is on Abraham's faith going beyond the earthly fulfillment. 
if I can explain that, beyond, beyond the land, the promised land here on earth, beyond Isaac as a human first offspring or people in general. But God's got an even bigger plan involved. As the writer to the Hebrews puts it in verse 10. Hebrews 11 verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And then in verse 13, all these people, now of course we can probably pull in the guys who, who went before, Enoch and Abel and, and, and Noah, and, but particularly there's a focus on Abraham and his family. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. And if they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. The writer to the Hebrews points out Abraham's faith. It's going beyond the fact that God was going to bring his, bring his people out of Egypt to a promised land. He's ultimately looking to what the promise was really all about. Beyond that, yes, the land was a part of it, but it pointed to something more. Yes, Isaac was a part of it, but he pointed to something far more. That one day, there would be this great multitude that no one could count, as we, look at, we see in the book of Revelation. The city of God that's described there, coming down out of heaven. That God will call to himself the church. The, in Christ, the bride for Christ. Church, this people, this multitude, this wonderful descendants of Abraham who would one day, there's a heavenly eternity awaiting. Abraham's got hold of this, seeing it from, from a distance. He's looking forward, he can see something, but he knows God's got a bigger plan. He lived for this. He didn't see it, he saw Isaac and he saw Jacob. But he didn't see the people in the land. He didn't see a multitude of descendants. And in that sense, he didn't see Jesus. He hadn't come. His seed through whom all nations would be blessed. The one who in that sense, Isaac points forward, Isaac, I've given you a son. No, 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 what? there's a son coming. There's a son coming who, through whom the whole world will be blessed. As Paul reminds us in Galatians 3. Abraham's seed, that is Christ. He didn't see it all, and yet he was looking forward for this great heavenly city, this country of their own, a glorious eternity, the ultimate fulfillment of God's plans, of God's promises to him. And he kept believing God. He could have turned back. They could have turned back. That's what the writers of the Hebrews said. They could have, if they, if they just wanted their land... They could have gone back where they'd been. No, they were believing God for what God had planned, what God had purposed. And this one day, this is what God's going to do. And how much more for us living for this, for the church, the glorious bride of Christ, for the eternity that awaits. That heavenly perspective that 
One day the kingdom of God will come in full. How much more for us because we can see what Abraham's seed has done. We can see what Christ has done. We can see, yeah, look, Abraham got the promise. Abraham saw something and look, look what it, God was going to do. That one day a descendant of Abraham, yeah, he would come. He'd be the very son of God. And he'd come and he would die on the cross and he would rise again and he would cause blessing for all the nations of the earth. So that as Paul goes on to say in Galatians 3, because of that, because he is Abraham's seed, because of what he has done now, if we are in Christ, we are Abraham's seed. That we're all brought into this, into this same promise. Abraham only saw it from a distance. Yeah, we can look back and we can know now we see Jesus, the seed of Abraham who came and died and rose again. So we also look forward from this place to the same heavenly country, to the same ultimate ending, the city that God has prepared. As Peter draws out wonderfully in 1 Peter chapter 2. One Peter two, from verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then, dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Peter recognises that sense of, look, we're citizens of a different kingdom. We've been called by God. We're a holy people, a, a, a people that he's drawn together. We are strangers and exiles, foreigners in the land. It's like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in tents as strangers. They understood there was something better. There was something more. There was something greater. And so as the writer to the Hebrews encourages us, look at Abraham's faith. Look at Abraham's faith. We're also encouraged, look at the promise that God gave Abraham. We can't, we can't fail to wrap both up and see, look, look, look at the truth of what he was believing in. But also see, look at how he believed it. That's his encouragement. Have our eyes fixed on heaven. To the end of the race, as we run, as Hebrews 12 goes on to say, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Writer calls us to look and see Abraham saw a bigger picture. Yes, his faith caused him to go from his land. But it also caused him to understand there was something bigger than just what was going on with him. I'm a part of this. God's called me into it. I'll leave my homeland. I know I'll wait for the fulfillment. I know that actually the full, full, fulfillment is going to come way beyond 
I've died and I've gone to my, uh, I've gone to my grave. And ultimately, it's going to go beyond into eternity. Abraham saw a bigger picture. The promises of God go beyond our lives and beyond this earth to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God, a heavenly country. So as we look at Abraham, let's be encouraged to believe God, to believe what he says, to be ready. God spoke. Let's go. Let's go for it. Also to understand God's got a bigger picture. And we live with that wonderful hope of eternity, that sure and certain hope. It's what Abraham ultimately got hold of. The writer to the Hebrews is telling us.